Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am on location at Greg Fitzsimmons office in Santa Monica where it is a balmy 95 degrees. It's like 110 in the valley. And I haven't seen Greg in, has it been months? It feels too like long. months. It's been too, too long. long. Yeah. So we are getting together to do each other's podcasts. And here we are. And there's so much we have to catch up on. Um, I last just last night finished season two of Crashing. I loved it. I know that you are working on it. And I'm curious to know how much of what I loved about it is you. So we'll get into that. Um I know that you had some personal stuff come up in the past many months. We'll get into that. All sorts of stuff. How are you doing, Greg? How am I doing? Well, as you said, it's been it's been a rough couple of months. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been, um, you know, rocky, and I've been away from home for two months now because of writing on Crashing, and it's in New York, and I live here. And... Uh, it sounds like paradise in a way. Like I, I got my own apartment in Williamsburg. I keep my own hours. I go do stand up whenever I want. And right. you know, I'm fucking so many women. <laughs> no, and it's like, uh, but it's it really is. You realize how much you love your family when you're away this month. I mean, I've been coming back and forth mm-hmm. a bit, and then they've been to New York twice. Um, but it's uh, but some stuff happened. Like my my uh, my father in law died. While I was there, so my wife had to kind of go through that without me. She came, she came to New York, and they were there for like five days for the funeral and everything. But, um, but I wasn't there in the aftermath to just mm-hmm. be there and let her express her feelings. And you know, she was dealing with the kids full time, and you know, they're out of school, and uh, I just don't think she had the space to process. Uh, what happened? And she had a complicated relationship with her dad, like like we all do. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Does anyone not have a complicated relationship? There are with their people parents? who claim that their parents are their best friends and like no complaints, perfect childhood. And I always suspect they're either not in touch with reality or lying. I just I don't understand how anyone has no qualms about their childhood. There's also a bit of romanticizing about how bad it was among people. So that's true. I, I cut off both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. on people complaining or glorifying their family life. But um, it, w- with her, it was tough because her dad was this really bigger-than-life guy. He was a super intellectual professor at Bard College, had a chair there, and published like 10 books that were taught all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd go to China and like fill a theater with people to listen to him. And um, was a, a revolutionary. He was a communist, and he he knew Castro, and he went down to fight with the uh, Contras in Nicaragua, wow. fought with them. Wow! I mean, this guy walked the walk. Lived yeah. in Woodstock, and you know, just a huge environmentalist. One of his books from twenty five years ago was about how capitalism will destroy the environment, um, eco capitalism, mm-hmm. and basically no eco socialism, and he basically started a movement 
that exist today. Um, so he was always busy. He was always on marches. And so her parents split up when she was at a very vulnerable age. I think she was like 11. And he left her, her mom for a woman who was also a political activist. And so Aaron was thrown into this world. And here she is, this girl who's just trying to live a teenage life. And mm-hmm. she's not into going to bread and puppet for three weeks and shitting in a in a fucking hole so people can do like Marxist puppet shows. <laughs> right. And she's not into like going to marches in Washington. She's not into like, you know, listening to her dad practice his speech for some rally. And it was just like, a, it was a lot. And mm-hmm. so I think she felt very left behind by her father because he didn't have time for her. And he, he was a great guy to me. Anyway, why am I going? I don't need to go well, on this much. About what was him, their but... relationship like when you and she started dating? It was cordial, and um, it was more of a family dynamic. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of one-on-one with him, but he was very much like the patriarch. And she has a, a half sister, and she's got a full brother, and then she's got uh, three step brothers, and everybody is fucking amazing. And I can say that every one of them is fascinating. Like. One has got, you know, two master's degrees and films hippo births in the Amazon. Wow. Her sister works for the ACLU and she she got it. She was in the president of the law review at Columbia. Oh, right. I remember we were talking about how there's the member of the family that elevates the whole family. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And she was the one that initiated stop and frisk as a lawyer. She worked for the Bronx Defenders making mm-hmm. 50 grand a year as a right. lawyer who they could be nothing. making yeah. 700,000. And uh, so she's amazing. They're they're all incredible people and very close. Like mm-hmm. we show up and they just, the next day we go to the park and somehow on a Tuesday, they're all there. And it, it was really, it was amazing. And I, I'll be curious to see if it holds mm-hmm. with him gone. But it was a tough relationship. He was a good grandfather. You know, he loved his grandkids. And I think that she felt like he was good at being, a parent or grandparent when the kids were young. Mm-hmm. And as they got older, he di- he disengaged. That's a thing. I don't do you think he was a narcissist? Yes, very That's much a narcissist. A narcissist trait as far as I understand, which is in terms of narcissistic parents, they are there's no it's not threatening to their ego when the kids are very young it's when the kids start to individuate and have their own needs that it becomes right. complicated right yeah i think it was that and um you know so he died he was um he got a encephalitis which is like an infection in your spinal cord and goes into your brain and so he was out of it for a few months like mm-hmm. really like almost comatose so she was flying back and forth to see him and and then he went and they had this uh i think i talked about it on the podcast but he on my podcast mm-hmm. And when he died, he didn't want to be embalmed because it's bad for the environment. He didn't want a casket because it's bad for the environment. Didn't want to be cremated because it's bad for the environment. So they basically, there's this group of hippies from Woodstock and they do these organic burials. And you put them in a wicker basket, unembalmed, (laughs) and you just throw a lot of flowers on it. And they had this cart that me and the other nephews and grandsons all pushed into the woods, Mm -hmm. into the woods, and just fucking threw them down. Into a, into a hole, covered it up, 
and then they had this jug band. It was all these hippies, like <laughs> oh somebody God. on bongos, someone on a washboard, someone on a violin, and somebody on a saxophone. Let there be no hacky sack at my funeral. Yes. If you hack at my funeral, <laughs> I will I will use whatever powers you get from the afterlife right. to make that hit you in the eye. <laughs> um, so It'll was be it like a, a f- Kidditch? Quidditch? What's the ball in the Harry Potter? Oh, I think it's... Well, it's spelled Quidditch. Yeah. I don't know how it's pronounced. So Quidditch? was it a, a beautiful service? It was incredible. but And they all spoke about him as what he represented as a political person. And then I talked about him as a person, personally. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one that cried of, you know, all his kids. And Erin didn't speak. How come? She cannot speak in front of people mm-hmm. at all. And so I felt like I was speaking for her. And I cried. I'm a crier. Mm. I'm a crier, and I feel like I don't cry enough. Like I feel it, like it bottles up in me. Right, like you get pent up. And I was thinking about this. I want there to be a spa. You know how you go get massaged? Yeah. And, you know, they've got the incense going, and there's a waterfall, and the music's just right. And They create a mood to make you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then when they rub your body, it releases all these toxins. It's a physiological experience. And I feel like crying is the same thing. Yes. And I would love there to be a spa where you show up, and they look at you with pity. <laughs> And they put you in a room and you watch Coco Mm -hmm. or Terms of Endearment or A Color Purple. Right. And somebody comes in and just holds you while you cry your fucking eyes out. And they have the skill. You know, some people when you cry in front of, tighten up and it makes Mm -hmm. you stop crying. Right. These are people that are gifted at drawing Mm -hmm. out the crying. They probably like do some deep breathing next to you and say, let it out. There, there, let it out. There, there. That's what the spa is called. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it. It's like how a dog gets their anal glands expressed. You're getting your tear ducts expressed. Yes. Maybe there's even a physical thing they can do. Mm-hmm. Maybe they rub right underneath your eyes. Right. Um, they tell you it's okay. It's pitch dark so you don't feel self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you take rests. When's the last time you cried really hard? Mm, good question. You should I... say when Dan had a car accident if you were a good wife. <laughs> I didn't cry. I didn't cry when my my husband had a car accident. He's fine. Um, Some tears came out over the whole separating migrant children from their parents Mm. and putting them in cages and like watching some of the coverage of that. But that wasn't a true like sobbing cry kind of thing. It's been a while. I think I'm overdue. I need to stop off at there, there. Yeah. But I will say, on my way here, I was thinking about this. So I, I told you, um, and I've mentioned on this podcast, I'm, and I'm actually not sure when this is airing, so maybe uh, I'll be a little further along when this comes out, but I am freshly pregnant, newly pregnant. Hey, and, now. Mm-hmm, you and, told me before the air, so if people don't think yes. I reacted big enough. No, it's because I, I had you. That's right. Earlier. Yeah. Uh, I felt I felt that you celebrated with me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed that since I've been pregnant, I feel much more emotional yeah. and my ability to handle particularly sad or sentimental things is reduced. So there's been a lot of news stories where I just get, you know, 
somewhere between a quarter to three quarters of the way in. And then it's just like, why am I doing this to myself? Like I, it is hitting me so hard. It's, I'm about to start crying. Like, and I have to turn away from it. Um, what was I thinking about on the way here that was making, I don't, I was just feeling like very sent that sort of mushy sentimental. I have so much love for the whole world and everyone close to me. And I feel, but I feel sad. And anyway, I've been feeling this for a number of days now. And I was, I've been thinking of it all as like, this is a good thing. I'm more in touch with my emotions. But then today I wondered, but actually what I feel, even though it kind of feels good in the way that like pushing on a bruise feels good or when you have like a sore in your mouth and you keep pushing on it, like it feel, it doesn't, it's not necessarily an unpleasant feeling, but this is in the realm of sadness, depression, maybe my meds need to be adjusted. Yeah. For the first time today, I started thinking this might this might be an indication that I'm headed back to a dark place, not like just a good, oh, I'm a more emotional connected person. What do you think? It's interesting because when we think about emotions today, you know, the Eastern way of looking at it is you feel the way you're supposed to feel. Right. And, you know, you don't react to things as much as you experience them. And we are so fixated on our emotional state, you know, mm-hmm. branding it tinkering and with it. tinkering it. And, you know, and there's, there's, I think the baseline is you're trying to avoid anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so many other emotions are just masked anxiety. Right. Anger, jealousy. Um, Hunger. Hunger, well, eventually depression. Mm -hmm. They're all anxiety. And I think that in our society, we're starting to realize that. And and I think that the antidote versus, you know, is we're trying to move away from opioids and antidepressants. And um, I think we're looking at other ways of dealing with anxiety, like meditation and exercise and mindfulness, all, you know, Eastern things. Do they exercise in the East? I'm sure they do. Everyone spins. <laughs> Can you imagine the smell of an Indian spin class? Oh, just people with those turbans on their heads. To laugh at that. It's not India. Is that India? Oh, yeah, the Sheik. Yeah. The Sikhs. Mm-hmm. You're from India. I think so. Oh. I think, yes. Um, but I. But my point being... What do we do to accept our emotions rather than quell them? Right. Well, I was totally accepting of them and fine with it and starting to just live my life a little bit differently, like not expose myself to things that were making me feel so raw. Yeah. But then for the first time today, I thought, wait, is this how I was before I was medicated? Yeah. I haven't seen my psychiatrist in a little while because I've been feeling fine and pretty stable the plan a while ago was to switch from i'm on a real low dose of lexapro was to switch from that to zoloft and then i was waiting while i was i wasn't sure if i was gonna get pregnant or not and i just felt like too many things were happening do you feel like the lexapro is affecting your erections it's hard for me to bust the nut in my lady yeah Mm -hmm. um i was taking it and i could i was having trouble with erections i went off it and fucking johnny was back but how how were how was the rest of you the non penile part of you? It was all right. You know, I switched to another antidepressant and I'm fine. Which one did you switch to? Uh, I'm on um, uh, what's it called? 
It's got an X in it. Paxil? No. Lamictal? No. Wellbutrin? No. Abilify? None no. of these have X's. It's access. kind of a new one. Um, X, I, I think, X in it. Effexor? No. I think I don't know it. I feel like you just went through my medical history, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you're talking about your... Uh, Oh yeah, I was, and I decided to hold off on switching because there was too much influx hormonally. But I haven't been back in a while because I just feel like, a, he's way too expensive for me to go there when I'm not in crisis mode, and b, I'm fine. But, but then I had that thought, like, but maybe I could feel better even because yeah. I'm fine. I'm not like waking up every morning filled with gratefulness for this wonderful life I have, which sometimes like I feel like chemically i could be but i'm just not well do you want to have a mini therapy session and i'll be a therapist i'll charge you nothing sure okay so how you doing fine i'm good that sounded defensive this isn't going well already you're thinking a lot right now mm-hmm. yeah i can see it there there <laughs> That is the worst part about therapy is your opening line. Yeah. They always say, how you doing? And you're mm-hmm. like, motherfucker. Right. How, you tell me. I'm supposed to tell you. And so you say, and then you realize, like, I never go in there with an agenda. I really feel like it's whatever's meant to come out is going to come out. That's good. That is trusting the process. I often, before I go in, I think, like, what do I have to talk I about this I can see that. Week? I can see you having bullet points yeah, when you go to therapy. I do. And lately, I haven't really... I've had to, like, gin them up. Like, what can I talk about this week? Because I feel like maybe I... Because I've just been feeling okay. Yeah. But then, I don't know. So it's... I don't know how productive my last couple of sessions have been because I feel like I don't... But But I mean, maybe the truth is that I'm sort of just not in touch with something. Because mm. I'm sure that, like, instead of being open to the process, I'm going in with, like, intellectualizing it. I think that men will never understand, and this is man speaking right now, mm-hmm. what pregnancy does to a woman. I mean, I've watched it firsthand twice. And, you know, the emotional ride that you go through, you've got a human being in your body. And, I mean, it's fucking insane when you think about getting a head cold and what that does to your body like what chemical changes Mm -hmm. go through your body then you think about a human growing in it and a cold will fuck me up to where i don't go to work (laughs) and a baby for nine months gestating i mean i think you gotta write a lot off to that oh yeah and i mean but just physically like i'm so tired i feel sick every day yeah um, I'm forgetful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it is affecting me in all those ways. Yeah. But I think the emotional, it's affecting me emotionally too. And I think that's normal. Yeah. So, okay. Back to question about your wife and her larger than life father, because I've noticed, uh, a bit of a pattern with people who have larger than life fathers. And I kind of do too. I totally do. Um, did. Yeah. Dead 25 years this month. Congrats. Thank you. Um, it, I think, sometimes leaves less room for the child to form their own opinions about things because, mm. like, all the opinions have been taken up already. Yeah. I noticed this when I interviewed Kelly Carlin, George Carlin's daughter, uh, and I love her, and she loves her father, but I just noticed... 
I, I wish I could remember specifically what she was talking about, but it's like he had such strong opinions about everything. I just think it like minimizes the world that you grow up Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Yeah. Did your wife have that? Yeah, oh, extremely. Yeah, very much so. And and because she was very pretty, she was just gorgeous. Still is. But I mean, as a teenager, I can show you pictures. It's like you can't talk around somebody like that. Mm. And I think to them that represented that she was this pretty girl who was not going to oh. be, you know, have substance in the world because of it. And they never they never gave her a chance to, I think. And so there was that and um but I think that with my kids I go out of my way to ask them. I try to get them to form their opinions on we talk about the news and we mm-hmm. talk about God and all this stuff and I really stand two steps back and I just let them rant. And my daughter is so cute. She's cute. She's she'll be fifteen this week. And she is a fifteen year old girl talking about politics. Mm-hmm. And it's adorable. I mean, there's times where you just want to like, you have to suppress a smile because it sounds like, are we high freshman year in a dorm talking <laughs> about liberalism? And, uh, but I let her have her opinions. But like, she goes yeah. to all the women's marches and she's, uh, you know, she volunteers. Like, she, this, this whole week she's down, she volunteers with this, it's called Surf Bus. And they bring inner city kids in on a bus to the beach. And then she's a big surfer. So she goes out there and she teaches little kids how to surf. These little poor ass fucking kids. This kid yesterday took a shit in her pants. And JoJo took her to the bathroom at Venice Beach, hosed her down, like cleaned her up, and then had to hold her for like an hour after that. And it's just very sweet. And she said, there, there. She said, there, there. Yeah. Maybe that's who I should cry in front of. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So anyway, I think I think yeah, you got to give them room and get out of the way. Yeah. But anyway, to get back to the bad couple months, bad month really. Father died, and then two weeks ago, emergency appendectomy. So she had to be get a surgery and stay overnight in the hospital by herself. Mm. It was that, and then we we're going through a whole big drama that I can't get into, having to do with um, our tenants. So um, that was very psychically draining. Yeah. And all of this being 3,000 miles away. 3,000 from New York? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was tough. So I've been, I've been, and then work is, we're working 14 hours a day on crashing on top of it. And we're mm-hmm. working. Right. Like we're on our feet, like rewriting constantly. So it's been tough. It's been tough. I'm glad to be home. I'm home for a week. What happened with her appendix? Like, what did she, she was feel? feeling pain, and then mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, went to the doctor. He poked around and sent her right to the emergency room, and uh, they took a CAT scan. I think mm-hmm. C scan is that the same as a CAT scan? I have not heard of a C scan. Um, they call it a C scan. Sounds like a CAT scan. And um, what what happens if your cat needs an X ray? What do they call that? Is it a human just scan? Which is <laughs> <laughs> a scan. Yeah. What if they just call it a cat scan and just don't even take the opportunity to make a joke? It's a wasted opportunity it right there in the is. medical industry. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Is it the medical industry when it's vets? Of course it is. I guess it is. Yeah. I'm sure they think it is. I think you just insulted a lot I of vets. I know. I just I take that back because I just said I'm sure they think it is. And if any vets out there who might be treat Wendy one day, it's my dog, Hear that. I'd like to take that back. I'm sorry. I, why don't you just make a note on your little edit pad? 
to take it Allison, out. just so you know what a pro Allison is, when I do my podcast, I could fart. A truck could go by. There could be helicopters. It all stays in. Mm-hmm. But you're a pro. You have this little notepad. And if you cough, you make a note mm-hmm. to take it out later. So you haven't heard the coughs. There was a truck that went by. You wrote truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Are you going to make a note to take out the vet thing? I kind of want to leave it in just to add a little spice yeah. to my life. Can I? Oh, you know what? I was going to tell you something about like- I'm going to say vet. I guess remember what you said about the vet like three times during the podcast just so you can't take it out. Okay. I need to talk to you guys about Casper. Support for Allison Rosen is your new best friend comes from Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. You guys, if you're sleeping on anything less than a Casper mattress, you're not getting the most out of your sleep. You're on... Think how often you're sleeping. I sleep probably two thirds of my life, and that sometimes doesn't even. Fa- I'm exaggerating. I'm just saying, sleep is important. Upgrade your life. Get a Casper mattress. A Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. You spend one third. Well, now they're just now they're just disagreeing with me. You spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. Affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to the consumer. The way that we all used to buy beds, where you'd go to a mattress store and you'd try out a bunch of different mattresses, and you'd be like, "Oh, I think this one's comfortable. I think this one." Studies have shown that that does not correlate with satisfaction with your mattress that is an outdated way of doing it casper is they've cut out the middleman they make it affordable no hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied but you will be free shipping and returns in the u.s and canada and it's easy returns too uh no hassle returns you can be sure of your purchase with casper's 100 night 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial um and it's amazing when you get the casper mattress it arrives in a box it's uh, it's bigger than a shoebox, but it's smaller than what appears to be a bed. And then you open it up and it like unfurls before your eyes. And then you're introduced to a new kind of better sleep than you ever had before. And you'll think, why did I wait this long? Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash BFF and use promo code BFF at checkout. So that's casper.com slash BFF and use the promo code BFF. Terms and conditions apply. That's casper.com slash BFF and promo code BFF for $50 towards select mattresses. Um, I was about to tell you something about like me and my psyche, but no, this is, I, sometimes when I'm with you and we do the, this kind of recording, I forget whose show is whose. Right. This is your, this is you on my show. Right. So I'm going to talk to you. So okay. I've started doing a thing, which is instead of just naming the episode, the guest's name, I do almost like a headline or a sentence. So it's like, um, you know, so-and-so is sorry, or so-and-so won't join your group, or so-and-so. And I don't say so-and-so. I actually put their name. Right. So, But it's always difficult for me to think of one at the end, and I sometimes regret doing it because then I got to come up with one. So uh, I say while we're doing this, we should, be, we should be thinking of what this should be called. It's Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg needs a cry. Yes. I'm going to jot that down. Right. Greg needs a cry. Needs. Um, Although, was your wife mad at you for you being were, away? Yeah, not in the least. She's so supportive. Well, look, I write on. I've been writing on shows for fifteen years, 
I've never had to go on location before. This particular show is one I feel really like strongly about. I really love it, and uh, and it's drama free. I like the people that work on it. I'm proud of the show, and it's good dough. I've got a producer title, and so college is coming up, and it's like I'm going to do this, and mm-hmm. she knows that's why we're doing this, mm-hmm. and so you know, you you can't really give me shit on top of that because she knows how sad and lonely I am. Right. And she, I know she's sad and lonely. And I came home and I've been home for three days, made love three days. And she threw the move on me last night, Look which she that. rarely does. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's made us actually closer and stronger. She's risking UTI, risking yeast infection, all of that. How is she risking that? Well, when you have sex and it's been a little while beforehand, sometimes you end up with a yeast infection or a UTI. Get out of here. Yeah, that's how it goes. You're saying that without regular sex, the vagina doesn't get cleaned out? I don't know. I don't know the mechanics. Is it I like don't a know chimney why. sweeper? <laughs> yeah. Like a- Are you covered in soot when you pull yeah. out? I don't know why this is, but it's just... It's just sometimes it happens. Now, maybe she has a special vagina where she, she doesn't does. have this. It's amazing. I love that you're, you're, you guys are, are this way after this many years. Yeah. I know. It's and, very sweet. And just love being with her. And I feel bad because I'm, I'm home for three days. I realize I haven't even called a friend. We're just like going to lunch, hanging out, throwing moves on each other. And also we're, we're moving, so we're packing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, How soon are you moving and how's your packing going? Because theoretically, and I only say theoretically, it's not theoretically. It's in reality, Daniel and I are also moving and we have not begun to start and we also haven't told our landlord yet. What's your move out date? We don't have one yet. When do you take possession of the house? Oh, we already have. Yeah, we're doubling right now. Why are you doubling? Because we have to do, the house needs some repairs. Oh, okay. So yeah, we're, but... If we wanted to live among people fixing stuff, we could move in. I mean, once yeah. we get the the new HVAC in there and the roof fixed, we could move in. Yeah. Um, it's just I would rather not live among a bunch of stuff being fixed and I'm lazy. Right. No, I think that's that's good. But uh, yeah, you need 30 days, but I don't. I never know if it's 30 days from the first. Are you month to month on We're your month lease? Month to month, yeah. So you have to give it on the first. Right. So on Janu- Ju- January, July 2nd, I said to Daniel, if we were going to, move out at the end of the month we needed to tell her yesterday right, and right. then now we just let a bunch of days pass yeah when are you moving um third week of july oh that's really soon how packed are you well the thing is is we've moved twice in the last six years so we're a lean mean machine mm-hmm. you know we've already weeded and you know we've got it down so the last the last three days i've been packing all day just you know books dishes and and then it's it's good to like uh Go th- I love weeding. It's fucking great. And then we're going to have a yard sale on Saturday. Look at that. My daughter's got two surfboards, which I listed on Craigslist. I've already gotten a dozen people calling about the surfboards. That's a big seller. And then we got we got some furniture, stereo equipment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we're going to, I think we can make a grand on Saturday morning. So how does it work? You list it and then do you say these items will be at a yard sale, this address on this yeah, day? Yeah, right. There's like three really good sites Mm -hmm. that people go to, and then they come out, and they say you should start at seven. Fuck that. Eight. People will will get there before eight. Oh, yeah. People love a yard sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm not one of those people, but other there are other people. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um I think it's more of like a lesson for the kids. I want them to see I want them to be industrious, you mm-hmm. know, get, you know, mark the put prices on everything, carry it out, do the sales, you know, and I'll give them some of the money. But um it's like is it worth it? Is $1,000 worth like three days of prepping and a day of my life standing in the sun? It's going to be 90 degrees. Yeah. Um, but not only do you make 1000 bucks and it's a good life lesson for your kids, you also get rid of a whole bunch of crap. Right. Right. So, no, it's, it's good. It's a yeah. purge. It's a healthy purge. Daniel doesn't even want to sell stuff on Craigslist because he doesn't want to deal with people coming to the house. I know. You feel that way too? Yeah. Because I... When I lived in New York, I bought furniture on Craigslist. And then when I moved from New York, I sold it on Craigslist. And at that point, I was moving. So I was like not- Were you a woman alone in an apartment showing uh, furniture? Mm -hmm. And guys would come over? It was a couple that came over. Okay. Um, Did they try to work a (laughs) three-way? No, but I suggested it. So Didn't you have a three-way once? Didn't I ask you that? No. You've, I'm sure you've asked me. Right. And no, I have never. Were you ever propositioned for yes, a three-way? Yes, that's what I, I think I'm, I told you about. There was this guy at a bar and he had a uh, sunburn and he can't, tell me when this is ringing a bell. Yeah, it does. He came back to our apartment and I thought- He wanted he, you to rub lotion on him? He was like, why don't you guys both peel my back? Yeah. And I was like, I would- because he, I thought he was hitting on my roommate. Yeah. But then it turned out he wanted to turn this into a kinky back peeling yeah. sesh, and I opted out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've never really been tempted by the three way thing. I spent my whole life pursuing three ways. Pursuing the three way. I had, I had a devil's three way. That's with twice. The guy. Yeah. And then I had a not all the way three way with women. What does that mean? No penetration. No penetration. Now, with the de- how did the devil's three-way work? Like you and the guy just pretend you're both not, there's not, you just steer clear of each other? Yeah. Have you ever kissed a guy? Have I kissed a guy? Like pecks on the lips? I've never made out with a guy. Mm. I have a question for you, Greg Fitzsimmons. With all the Me Too stuff. Yeah, oh boy. With men... Losing their careers left and right for things that happened a while ago. Yeah. Are you looking at the at the uh, time codes? I want to make sure can... the levels are good. Oh, okay. You sound a little low there for a second. Are you worried about anything surfacing? Or anyone just... I'm going to say something. I'm going to get shit Do you ask all this. your male guests this question? No, I'm specifically just wondering about you. Yeah, because I think you enjoy <laughs> being inappropriate. Yeah. Um. I'm, I'll tell you this, on the workplace, okay. I am so fucking where I don't hug anybody. And people come up for hugs all the mm-hmm. time. And like there's this one girl in particular, she's a PA and she's always trying to hug me. And I just literally just turn sideways like, no, we're not fucking hugging because who knows? Right. And so, um, and, and just the things we talk about. Like, you know, I I was talking to a, write, a guy who wrote on a, famous show that was on for like 10 years and he was telling me about the writer's room which there were women in the writer's room and there was a like a bit and a runner you always have like a running bit in the room that you do Mm because you're in there for fucking 12 14 hours and you try to break it up and it was about a guy who was a chronic masturbator 
and he would bend over the table and slam his fist to the underside of the table <laughs> until he came. And then there was another bit where a guy would pretend he was sleeping on the couch and the other guy would come over and rape his face. <laughs> and like all that stuff, and that, that would never happen today. Yeah. You know, like, and that kind of stuff was silly and it was fun and it let the air out of the room sometimes. And so I'm a big believer in the pendulum having to swing as far as, as it is. And right. I know there's, I personally know a couple people that are being affected adversely, guys, by, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm, you know, same. it's pretty easy to point a finger without substantiating it. And once the press gets hold of it, then, you know, it's it's, I, it's game over. That's and I, what I was going to say. Like, I'm afraid to say this. But let me just finish. Yeah, please do. But I think that women have been affected by sexism for so many fucking forevers mm-hmm. that it's a, an adjustment that we're going to have to make and we're going to have to figure out a process that is not as damning without substantiation so that these missteps don't also mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. I feel like you said it as eloquently as I could have. Mm. But I, I've been afraid to even talk about this at all on my podcast because I feel like there's such a fever pitch and it's so many... If you don't 100% support every single woman, then someone will turn around and say, you're not supporting women. You're part of the... You know, you right. get so much, so much shit. And so I don't want to be on the end of that. At the same time, I, there have been a f- a f- only a few that I'm aware of a very tiny portion, the vast majority. It's like, yeah, fuck that guy. That was an abuse of power. And that was uh, wrong. And he sounds like a predator and he violated people and fuck him. But there have been a sprinkling where I look at that and I'm like, okay, so he's a dick, but I don't think this is the same, Mm. you know? Okay. And like, so he sounds like he wasn't a good boyfriend, but um, it's rubbing me the wrong way that that person just lost their career over this when it was like one person saying, here was my experience in a relationship with him. And, and it's like, okay, where's the, like, I'm sorry. Like what, what exactly did he do that was, I get that all of this was sh- like shitty, but yeah. what did he do that's uh, illegal? Ass- yeah. Assault or abusive right. or like, I'm not, I'm not and, quite and seeing it. And I've been afraid of, to talk about it. Right. And abuse of this is spectrum of what's abusive. Right. And there's two different people with two different sets of boundaries, issues, baggage, uh, sensitivities. And I think in any relationship, um, if one of the people is a vulnerable type of a person, mm-hmm. And say they're with somebody that, and very often that kind of person will can be attracted to an abusive person, right? And they play out that dynamic in that relationship, and the next relationship, and the next relationship. Um, you know, it is there are situations where that person can point to the relationship and say, you know, this crossed a line, mm-hmm. and that line is only drawn by her, right? And once once it's in the press. You know, and I think we we're both alluding to a guy who probably mm-hmm. people listening to are aware of. But I also know Fourth of July. I was talking to my friend's son who just spent his freshman year at a college and he was best friends with a girl who came home for Christmas with him, never touched her. And she came back to school and claimed that he had assaulted her. Mm. He was thrown out of his fraternity. They did an investigation, and then she texted him and said, I'm sorry I did that. 
I really just I got caught up in things and I wanted to I wanted attention. Wow. And he showed that to the administration and they stopped proceedings to throw him out of school. Good. But it was too late. Every nobody at yes. school will hang out with him. It's such a and he's transferring. Accusation. So it's like you know, there is a there's a part of there's a segment of the population that wants attention. Mm-hmm. And this is male and female. Right. I mean this uh, I this is the kind of thing I shouldn't say, you know. No, but mark I, it on your thing. <laughs> do you actually want me to? No, but I do. But I, I do think. But in anything, this this is not specific to the Me Too movement. This is anything in the press, any sort of thing that gets attention. There are people out there who are exploitative and opportunistic who will find a way to use it to their advantage. And I think it's okay to say that. Like that's just a personality type right. that exists in the world. And and I don't neither neither you nor I are saying the vast majority of men who've lost their jobs shouldn't have lost their jobs. Right. And, think, and this is in this is also outweighed by far right. by women that are sexually assaulted and yes. don't report it yes. at colleges. So what I just said is what I I guess what I'm pointing out is there there is uh, incidental damage done to men, but I am a firm believer that that is far outweighed by right. women that are abused. Yes, I say that for the record. I agree as well. Um, so are you worried at all? Because I feel I feel like every dude right now is worried a little bit. You know, I've been I've been married for it'll be nineteen years this summer, and uh, been faithful and. I think before, like we were talking about in college how guys will try to get girls to do shots. And it's like, mm. I didn't do that. My my friends and I, did, we were friends with women. You know, it was like we hung out with them and we drank with them and uh, we had sex with them. Like I never had girlfriends. We just all kind of like, it was all kind of fluid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, who knows if somebody's going to come up with something, but I I feel very confident that I've conducted myself in a, you know, honorable way. Good. Cause I just don't want our new podcast to uh, suffer. Is that what this is? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have had a PI look into you. So yeah. did you notice someone following you? Yes. And, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, and she was hot. She was really hot. Throw yeah. a move on her. Yeah, I I chose a hot pi. Yeah, I, you're welcome. Um, okay, let's see here. Well, we do have some just mirror. Ever- oh, let's talk about crashing. Yeah, I loved the second season. Mm. I love the first season as well. Um, I especially love the second season. Um, I love that I got to see you in it. Got to see some of your stand up. That was great. So, uh, it's a real real broad question, but like, what um role or effect on the storylines would you say you've had huge huge now the all the stuff that's good about the show is you right well the storylines are really pete and judd you know they we all pitch a lot of ideas in the room there's about seven or eight writers and we write for a few months in la before we go to new york Mm -hmm. and pete's got a really strong sense of um what this season is about first of all the overarching themes and stories and this being season three yeah we're in four are we three or four now three now and um 
and it's you know it's tricky because you this this show is about a guy who's struggling and starting mm-hmm. out and how long can you suspend him at one level so in season 3 you're seeing obviously he's there's been time lapsed and where is he now but we really just pitch funny stories from our lives in the room and out of that we sort of like will call together episode within the episode stories that that are in that that storyline of that episode but you know pete ultimately takes the script and goes and 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 rewrites it and uh and judd has a lot to say about you know judd's all about heart mm-hmm. and and truth in characters so his notes are always just like i don't know that a guy in that situation would react that way mm-hmm. it's always bringing it back to that and how do we create something that you know brings out more um more character and he's amazing and i've learned so much watching him um and then uh so no i think and then my big job also is just on set um we'll shoot a scene one way and then we'll try it a bunch of other ways to see if we can beat it mm-hmm. or at least give the editor options later on about which one works and um so it's it's a lot of writing jokes on the fly and once in a while a scene just isn't working and then we all jump in and we'll we'll sit around sometimes for an hour stop down production and like rewrite the scene Mm -hmm. so it's exciting it's like it's long days but you really are working the whole time uh in the second season there's a romance between pete holmes and jamie lee's character right and they're both married and they actually used to date yeah is that weird for them i should be asking them but i have you right here um no they've got a really um evolved relationship considering that they dated right and you know it turns out that you know and she i don't believe had done a ton of acting before this but she's really good Mm -hmm. and um and i think there's a chemistry between them that has to draw from their relationship together because it was there from the get-go i think they're both able to access their feelings from that relationship Mm -hmm. um well, I but, think, yeah, they went out, I don't know for how long, in New York, and then she wrote on his show. So they've stayed friends for a long time. She wrote on his late night show. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, and she's a good writer. She writes with us before the season starts, and then she transitions into just acting on the show. And um, so, no, I think they draw a lot from it. And we do that a lot with the show is uh, we bring in people that are what they do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't get into specifics for season three, but, like, I'm trying to think in season two who we brought in who plays what they play. I mean, like, just for instance, if somebody was um, gay, we'll go out and find a gay person. And it's hard, but we do. No, but you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So... Um, there's a lot of that. And so I think with the relationship with them, it's, it's an extension of that. Mm -hmm. Um, the scene where someone ends up shaving their beard before they go on. Yeah. Did that, is that someone's real story? Yeah. Who is it? Can you say? No. Oh, was it real story? No, 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 no. That was just thought up. Okay. That was just an idea we had that like, what if. You know, Pete just starts getting in somebody's head before they go on. Right. And we were just thinking of ideas of like how how much could he fuck with a guy, not intentionally, mm-hmm. but just, you know, not having the boundaries to give somebody space and support them before they go on. And so 
it was great because, you know, we really sat there. And, you know, usually we re- you will shoot something seven, eight, ten times. And mostly because you're, you're, you have to shift the cameras and get it from different angles. Mm-hmm. And so when we had this actor shave his beard, we had one shot at it. Right. And, uh, and we had an actress who was also a, um, a groomer, a stylist. And so she came in and she cut it. And we did, you know, we cut it into different shapes on the way on the way out, <laughs> and had that. fun with it, and um, and it was really, it was one of the most fun scenes we've had, and uh, and I and it really, as an actor, I think it gave him something to work with. Mm-hmm. Then when he walked out on stage with this beard that he'd had for years was just suddenly gone. Right. Yeah. Is is his stand up that he does all written ahead of time? So the actor who plays Porter, his name is uh, Henry Zabrowski. He uh, he's not a stand-up. I believe he'd done like some improv and sketch type stuff, mm-hmm. um, and so we wrote stand-up for him, and then he just really nailed it. He was he oh was God. really good, and you know. And I remember I was in a comedy club one night, and some fucking wise ass little comic said something about why aren't you guys? Why don't you hire comedians to play comedians? And I just and I stopped and I went, all right, let me ask you this: How much acting have you done? Because Porter does 45 seconds of stand-up, and then he acts in five episodes. So do you think you could handle that <laughs> acting where he has to get angry, he gets jealous, he you know, cries? Are you, can you do all that? Because he did a pretty good job doing stand-up for 45 seconds. And we really go out of our way to hire comedians. Yeah, you hire a ton of comedians. I mean, it's like you know, Judd, Judd is a comedy file, and he knows everybody that's out there. And he has, you know, he's always saying, we got to use so-and-so mm-hmm. and we bring him in. And so I I feel pretty good about that. And, you know, but there's always going to be jealousy yeah. among people when there's a show. I'm sure that if there's a show about like Blue Bloods, I bet there's cops in Manhattan that are going, oh, that show's fucking, that's not real. They don't capture what's real. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think we, I think we do a pretty good job. And if we fall short, it's a TV show. Well, here's you a question. It can't be. It's not a fucking reality show. If you have there, to add characters. You have to add story. And, yeah. If there were a show about podcasting, though, I'm sure you and I would have a lot of negative. Well, Marin's was, wasn't that's it? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, question for it's you. Let's start about Marin. We always get in trouble <laughs> talking about Marin. I know. Are you watching Glow? It's great. Marin's great in it. That's what I, I yeah. He's really good. I need to get good. back into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I always... Like, did he take acting class? Well, he actually has been doing acting for a long time. Yeah, on he and did off. a bunch of stuff. But he was wonder, an almost famous. That's right. But I wonder, these people that we know as playing themselves, like how, and then you see them pop up on something and you're stunned at how good at acting they actually yeah. are. Are they all trained? They must be, right? Well, people say that they love working with comedians because, um, you know, we just have more presence from having to stand in front of strangers every night. And um, I, I'm not sure his acting training, but I'm guessing it wasn't extensive. I think mm. it, he really kind of plays a version of himself really right. well on the show. But it's, um, no, it's good. I mean, I know Louis didn't have any acting training. Ray Romano had a little bit. He mm-hmm. studied with this woman, Joanna Baxson, in New York for probably a couple years before Raymond. Um, have you taken acting? Yeah, I went to the Neighborhood Playhouse for two years in New York. It's one of the best acting schools in the country. And um, I'm not that good. I've heard you say that. 
Yeah, I've heard you say that I you think can I, pretty much only play yourself. No, I can play myself, and I, I. But I also don't audition well. Is my downfall? Same. Yeah, I mean, I think I can act well, but I can't audition well. What happens when you audition? I just get in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't lose myself in the moment as much as I would when I'm actually when I have the job, right? Because when I have the job, I'm not thinking about whether or not I'm going to get the job. I think about that. I think about how many of us, and yes, I am putting us in the same category, how many of us are there out there who would actually crush it if given the job? We just can't prove that we should be given the job. And right. conversely, how many people out there are having these amazing careers because they're so great in the room and then like not quite as good on camera absolutely I know I mean I've gotten a bunch of roles recently like uh, you know I had that role in Crashing and I have another one this season and then I did um, what's that show um, something Valley on Netflix about a bunch Not of cannibals oh I don't know Cannibal Valley no um, oh god I'm such an idiot anyway I was on <laughs> <laughs> who'd you play I played a cop, and then I was on uh, Comedy Bang Bang last year, and I was on um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Do your agents send you out, or does someone no, call? No, never. Yeah. Never. So someone, someone specifically calls wants and asks you. me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was on Louie. Episode of Louie. So, and I'm proud of the work I did. I always feel like, oh, I did well. Mm-hmm. Did CSI, you know? But- I don't know that I would like shift because right now I'm I'm trying to do so many different things and I'm doing them all half well. <laughs> and I don't know if I can take on another half well right, type of entertainment. Put you over the edge. Uh, comedy question. So there's this tension between Jamie Lee's character and Pete, Pete's character, in that she's like very much a comedy purist. Right. And he is more, I don't know how I would describe, he's kind, kind of, trying to find his way as a comedian and a little more right. uh, bending to, I don't know, the pressures of the marketplace, however you put yeah. it. Where, where are you on that spectrum? And where were you on that spectrum when you were starting out? I've always, I come from the Boston School of Comedy, even though I'm from New York, I went to college in Boston and I was surrounded by guys like you know, Don Gavin and Nick DiPaolo and Steve Sweeney and Mike Donovan and guys that like really went at the audience. It was like me against them. Somebody's going to win. <laughs> and I think I've always carried that with me. And so I've never, I always defined comedy as like bad comedy is when you figure out what the audience wants and then you give it to them. Mm. And good comedy is when you find what's in you that you want to say and you find a way to connect it. And so I like to think I'm in the latter and that's the way I've always approached it. And I've always, probably very much to the um, demise of my career, no. is that I haven't really marketed. I don't know who I am. I don't know what my brand is. Mm. I don't know who my audience is. I just do it. And so, you know, I've crawled my way to the middle. And I'm happy there. The middle is fucking great. Mm-hmm. I make a great living. I go out there and I can fill comedy clubs. And I get enough people to listen to my podcast that there's ads. So I'm I'm there, but I'm not playing theaters and I'm not, you know, doing a million downloads per podcast, but I'm doing it on my own terms. And so I'm proud of that. I and, think that's great. But I also don't judge people that don't do it that way. I mean, I I have total respect for like a Jim Gaffigan who knows his brand. I talk about food, knows his audience. They're young people coming in, whole families and 
fucking good for you. I mean, I and I also think he's a really good comic. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's one way to do it. I just know that the only way I can do it is to kind of to, to kind of shove my stuff down your throat and then calmly watch some people not like it and then try to win them over. Mm-hmm. That what you said before, which I wish I could just clip and write on a whiteboard about bad comedy is trying to figure out what the audience wants and giving it to them versus saying what's inside you and trying to find a way to connect it. I feel like that's like this something I'm on in every level of my life really focused on working on right now. Yeah. Because I think that when I, it's easy for me to start to pay attention to tweets or emails that all have like a little bit of a, they're all positive, but with a little bit of criticism. Yeah. You know? And then to start thinking like, I maybe I do need to tailor it more this way or tailor it more that way or be more this way or do that. And to think about the reaction to what I'm going to say instead of just saying it. But I don't think that that helps me be the best version of a podcaster, a writer and anything. Like, I feel like you have such a crisp, direct, honest way of communicating. Like there's no note that you could take that would change what what your essence is. No, thank you. No, really. I mean, there's very few people, and that's why I want to do a podcast with you. And um, I think that there's people that do take notes because they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they never had a voice to begin with. And you've logged a lot of hours, you know, finding your voice or at least, you know, bringing it out of you. And um, I think that I see you sometimes paying attention to stuff like that. We've talked about yeah. it. And I just wish you would free yourself from that because I've really nothing been, needs to change. Thank you. Thank you. I've really been like working hard on that. Yeah. On just like, I don't think that that is going to help me. I'm going to not pay attention to that. Yeah. So that's, that's the new me. If I seem different, it's because I'm different now. Let's do just me or everyone. This is where people write in with things they think or do. Right. And we wonder, is it just me? And they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? And then we... Way in. But wait. Support for Allison Rosen is your new best friend comes from RX Bar, a whole food protein bar made with 100% whole ingredients. RX Bar's core ingredients do all the talking. It's simply like eating three egg whites, two dates, and six almonds. Turns out real food ingredients actually taste really good. You can actually taste the cacao, real fruit, and spices. RX Bars come in 14 delicious flavor variety. So uh, when I received my first box of RX Bars, it was like one or two of each flavor. I can't remember. And and um, I did something that I think some people will relate to, which is like, I'm just going to taste the corner of this one. I'm just going to taste it. It was like I had like a box of candies, except that they're not they're not candy. They're like a, a whole food protein bar, but delicious. So I, I think I nibbled the corner and then nibbled more than the corner of I had to taste each and every flavor uh and chocolate sea they're all so good I like the fruity ones chocolate sea salt was my favorite however they now have maple sea salt which I haven't tried yet but I know that that I, I feel it in my soul. Maple sea salt is going to be my favorite. Um, RX bars are gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. There's no added sugar, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. It's just chock full of good stuff. Um, and they're great for a lot of occasions like breakfast on the go or snacks at the office. I So my husband um, has a habit which I don't personally relate, relate to, which is he'll just forget to eat. I don't think I've ever just forgotten to eat, but he will. And we'll be out and then he'll all of a sudden be cranker in a bad mood or have a headache because he forgot to eat. So I used to throw an RX bar in the diaper bag 
separate from the diaper compartment, but I would just have it with me. And then as soon as he said he was hungry, I would hand him the RX bar. Then at a certain point, I'm like, I want these RX bars. But I'm just saying, they, they work great for things like that. It's a great thing to have on hand for when when hunger hits. Um, and they also make a great pre- or post-workout snack. Egg white protein stands out as a source of protein that's easy for your body to absorb. Um, I've never met a person who does not think they're delicious. There's a lot of negatives in that. Let me rephrase. People keep telling me how delicious they think RX bars are. And they are. You will love them. Get 25% off your first order. Visit rxbar.com BFF and enter promo code BFF at checkout. That's rxbar, R, the letter X, letter bar, B-A-R, rxbar.com slash BFF and enter promo code BFF at checkout. Okay. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? But first, I actually want to remind you guys that I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. Different reward levels, behind the scenes stuff, videos, a live stream, bonus episodes. You can get wow. the episodes early. Jeez. Yeah. I really bust my butt Damn. For, for them. Uh, it's really fun. More So much access to me, you'll beg me to leave you alone. Right. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And also I have a book out, Tropical Attire, Encouraged, and other Love phrases it. that scare me. On the shelf me. right there. There it is. I Where see is it? it. No, up it's up there? at the top. Yeah, I see yeah. it. Uh, the spine changed. You have the very first printing of That's it. That's right. We changed the spine to a darker uh, print because it would jump off, jump off the book and mm. smack you in the face a little more. Um AllisonRosen.com, there's lots of places you can click and it'll take you so you can buy the book. Available in all formats. Okay. Just me or everyone. Wessons. Can I ask you about the Patreon thing? Yes. How many people support you on Patreon? Uh, about 600. Wow. There, but there, I mean, it's, I love each and every one of them. Yeah. There are people out there who have like 18,000 Patreon Damn. subscribers. Those are people who I think are doing daily content though. Yeah. People who maybe had, like Ralph Garman, he has some crazy number of people following him. But I think that he had a daily show before, and now he's just doing it for Patreon. It's insane that the Kevin and Bean show let him go. He yeah. was such an enormous part of that show, and he was—he's great. I don't Check understand him out. why Follow they him did. on Patreon. I don't know either. It must have been some corporate budget mm-hmm. cut bullshit. Okay. Wessum says, I get Paul Rudd and the guy in office space, Ron Livingston, confused. Uh, just me or everyone. Note, I did a poll on Facebook and they all said, just me. I hope you prove those bastards wrong. Mm. I don't get them confused, although I could see why you I would. I could see that. Yeah. So Ron Livingston fucking works. Mm-hmm. That dude, you see him in dramas, He was in comedies. Search Party. Did you watch Search Party? No, what's that? Oh, it's so good. It's on TBS. It's like a satire, noir, mystery comedy. Oh. It's so good. Yeah. I recommend it. Go check it out if you have time. But he's in it. Yeah. Um, okay. Mary says, just me or everyone, feel elated when the first of the month falls on a Sunday. Feels like the best time for radical goal setting. No, I don't feel elated by that. This sounds like a person who follows astrology. Mm. And also sets radical goals. I don't do any of that. She's got cats. I think I might get a cat. Which I probably won't because I'm allergic and Daniel's allergic. But just... 
I feel like the universe is trying to tell me to get a cat lately. Yeah, but the cat feces is bad for pregnancy. Okay, so maybe I won't get it now. Yeah. But I just feel like there's just been a lot of cats, people talking about cats, pictures of cats. Try not to, if you do get it, don't talk about it on your podcast. <laughs> and don't post pictures about it. You think it. it's okay? So you think it's okay for me to talk about my dog and my son? Yes. But not a cat. Not a cat. It's just too It's Marin. He's, it's his thing. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I don't want people to think I'm just an ersatz Marin. Okay. Uh, Vanessa E., why can't I get water from the fridge door without spilling on the floor? I have this same problem. Really? Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's when I'm trying to refill a bottle or something that has a small spout. Uh, and then somehow I miss and a whole bunch of water spills on the ground. Yeah. Do you not have this problem? I don't have indoor water. In uh, in your refrigerator door. Indoor? Yeah. I have indoor water. <laughs> I don't have it in the door of my right. fridge. Okay. Yeah. But, um, Do you have a filter on we have your a, sink? We have a no. We have a Brita. Look at you Brita. keeping Old it school. so real. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a side by side refrigerator? What kind of refrigerator situation do you have? And allow me to say, I normally wouldn't even care. However, on the Corolla show, I got so much shit for not having a freezer on the bottom refrigerator. I have a freezer on the top refrigerator. Oh, my God. You are really old school. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, but we're moving. Here's the fucking crazy thing about L.A. When you rent a place, it does not come with a refrigerator. I mean, I think there's- Ours did. Some do. Yeah. But a lot of them do not, and it's not required. So when we moved into this rental, we had to buy a fucking refrigerator. And now we're moving back to our house, and we got to sell our fridge. Here's the catch- it's Can't a shitty sell fridge. It. No, it's a great fridge. But even with the freezer on the top? I don't give a shit. Okay. I never don't if sell you it don't to Adam or Brian. Think about these things. They don't bother you. I know. <laughs> okay. And so uh, we now we have to sell the refrigerator, but we can't sell it until we move out because we need the fucking refrigerator. Right. right. So we're trying to talk the landlord into buying the refrigerator from us. Oh, that's a good idea. Because it's a very high-end house, and it's very weird that there was no refrigerator mm-hmm. in a high-end house. Yeah, that's smart. And so, but I know he's going to try to dick us and give us not a lot of money, but who cares? Just buy it from yeah. us. Yeah. Give us whatever. If I, you want to buy a fridge, email me, fitzdogradio at gmail.com. If you're in the LA area, I'll give you a really good deal on a refrigerator. If you don't mind the freezer being on top. <laughs> there mm. you go. Yeah. We're getting people deals. Sooner Magic. Sometimes use my phone's camera like a telescope to see things far away. Oh, interesting. Yes, I do that. I'll take if I can't see something, I'll take a picture of it and then I'll yeah. zoom in. Doesn't always work. Uh, Beck says, This is embarrassing, but here goes. When someone I hold in high regard befriends me on social media, I'll go back and look through my recent posts, quote unquote, through their eyes. Yeah, I totally do that. Really? Yes. Wow. You don't do that? No, that's exactly the thing we were talking about not doing earlier. Caring too much about what people think about you. But it's like if someone famous follows me, I got to see what they're seeing. How do you know if they're following you? Like on Twitter? Yeah. You check to see who's following you? No, I don't. In the Twitter app, you get a little, like it'll say, you know, it'll show the people who, the new followers, like in your activity feed. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And also... You usually get an email, but I've turned that off. <laughs> or a text I don't want to know. <laughs> I feel like life is better not knowing too much. I think it totally is. Sometimes I wonder if the internet was just a big mistake. Social media. 
I think it was. I think that and uh, it led directly to Trump. Yeah, a lot of people that were integral, like in social media. Like I just read a great article in the New Yorker last week about Bo Burnham. You know, mm-hmm. Bo Burnham, yeah. and uh, he's the guy who was a YouTube star, launched his career, has huge, and he thinks it's a bad thing. I need to read this. Yeah, I feel like it's a little hypocritical or just questionable that I make my living as a podcaster and you know benefit and rely on being so connected to people and yet I'm wondering if this whole thing has been a mistake because I couldn't do what I do without it at the same time I think like so much of social media is um uh strengthening the dark parts of people yeah but your podcast is first of all it's long form mm-hmm. I think it's the short form little bursts of adrenaline that people get from checking their Facebook and right. seeing what famous people are following them. <laughs> I think that that's <laughs> negative, but I think a long form podcast where two intelligent people have a have a nice conversation that's great. You're I think right. that's the best part of the especially I do since too. yours is very positive energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Shake uh, that off. But I need to read this Bo Burnham article. <clears throat> he's got a movie coming out that's supposed to be amazing. I know a couple people that saw it. Has he quit social media or he just says bad things about it? No, he didn't quit it. He just really questions whether it's good for people. That's what I think. Especially. I think that I think that there's like this dual duality in everyone. There's good and there's bad and there's your, you know, higher self and your lower self. And I feel like the internet has really allowed people to be so in touch with their lower self and base instincts and like just discon you know b- b- say whatever they want online even with their name attached to it and it's just like it's strengthened that part of people and i wonder if you can't just draw a line straight from that to electing someone who is just a bad person and emboldening such hatred and anger People don't love when I talk about politics, but I'm going to anyway because um, I'm not I'm not that thing we talked about where where I just want to give them what they want. Right. I want to frustrate them. I think there's a very strong correlation to that because it's populism. Mm-hmm. You know, populism is, you know, by definition spreads like wildfire and it's not based on facts. It's based on emotion and right. fear. And I think that, you know, little, you know, news stories that are not really corroborated, I mean— Fake news. Fake news is just, it's amazing it's that, that, that the Trump side has co-opted fake news I know. to their advantage. That's, when that's what fascist authoritarians do. Yeah. They anyway, play semantic yeah, games. I know, I know, this. I know. Vanessa E., every time I swat a fly and miss, it does a few victory swirls ah. in my face. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Especially the big ones. Yeah. I can catch them in midair. Really? Yep. Big I, ones. With one hand or two? One hand. Wow. Yep. I never want to squish a bug in my hands. Really? Mm-hmm. Not a spider because I think they bite, but house flies, I fucking love, I got, I get into hunting mode. If there's a big house fly and we're <laughs> going to bed, I turn off all the lights in the house except the one in the bathroom because mm-hmm. I know he's going to go to it. Right. Drawn to it. And then I'll start with my New Yorker, my Bo Barnum New Yorker. <laughs> And uh, and I'll I'll take swings at him. First, I try to catch him with my hand, but then once you miss, he's in a heightened state. Right? Was oh, that what hard. it is? Because they start flying kind of in a weird way. Yeah, they serpentine. Yeah, they learned it in basic training. 
and then I'll get the New Yorker and I'll I'll wait for him to land, and then the key is getting really close before right, you take so your he swing. Right, doesn't feel the wind. And also uh, come from behind. If I also catch them with my hand, mm-hmm. I can sweep through and catch it with my hand off a wall, ninety percent of the time. I'm impressed that you can outsmart a house fly. And then I slam them into the ground. I throw them once I have them in my hand, and I shock them. Then I pick them up with toilet paper and I throw them in the in the water. And do you watch it flush? Yeah, you have to because yeah. otherwise the bug could reanimate and want revenge. Well, and that's that's mocking his victory lap because now he's spinning in circles as he goes down. It's brutal, but I guess it has to be done. It's nature. Greg Fitzsimmons, it was wow. delightful catching up with you. Jeez. Thank you Can't so. It's over. Already. I know. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been too long. Uh, we need to get down to brass tacks and figure out when Childish is coming out. Childish is coming out in August. When are... We said July, but I now know. it's August. I don't know if we actually said July or if we just said July to each other. Yeah, but now it's August. It is. I think... This is a conversation for off air. Let's have it on air. I think what we should do is, when we're done, let's figure out when you're back for good. Yeah. And then set a date... But let's make sure we do it. Yeah. So let's not, let's give ourselves, let's choose a date that's doable. Right. And then just do it. Just do it. Let's We've already recorded it. some. We have. We have material. Yeah. Theme song, check. Mm-hmm. Website, I found someone. Check. Social media, check. Check. And I found someone to do. Logo, check. Yes. The logo needs one more pass. Yeah, the I website, think so. Yeah. The website, we have someone to do it, but we haven't done it yet. Right. And but I, we own the URL. Yes. And I, you and I had an idea for a, a segment sting, and I found someone to do the voice. Nice. Mm-hmm. So we're- Mike Dawson? <laughs> no. Um, so we're good to go. Childish, coming out in August. It's going to be huge. I, Here's the I'm thing. I'm ready for this to reinvigorate my whole life. I think it's going to be great for both of us because, you know, doing a podcast alone is really like- it's like taking dead weight and picking up and dragging it sometimes. Mm. And so I feel like sometimes with guests, it's like that. Really? Yeah, but I'm with joking. us, but with us, it's I'm joking. It's magic every time. Yes. Yeah. It's the most magic. I'm just as we have dead air. I'm sorry. I got dis- <laughs> I got I got distracted by your. You got K cups. You've got a candle. You got. All sorts of stuff. I just got distracted by your bookshelf. I got, okay. Do you have a Fitzdog Radio mug, right? I do, okay, yes. Good. I need to make one mugs. Otherwise. No, I got Do you have mug. the Life on Stage DVD, my special? No, I would love it. I'm going to give you one of those. Thank you. And then, uh, what else can I give you? Yeah, take a cliff bar and a water to go. You feel like it. <laughs> Thank you very much. You have yeah. crackers. Clearly, they came from a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, uh, there's a little cafe next door. It smells so good. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to end this. Greg, it was delightful having you on. Tell people, well, we don't know when this is coming out, but tell them uh, where to find you. Well, first of all, Fitz Dog Radio comes out uh, once a week now. We just had uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, was just on. Wow. And uh, we had Natasha Legero and Moshe Kasher. Moshe? Moshe. Moshe Kasher. I love them. They're great. They're great. Um, also, um, I have a T-shirt out that just came out uh, last week. And it's got... Um, there's a story. I should tell you the story so people get what the T-shirt is. A woman called the Faneuil Hall Comedy Connection in Boston. We're going to assume she was an overweight black woman for the sake of the story. Okay. And she says, who's on the show tonight? She was from the 19th century. 
and they said, well, it's Jackie Flynn, Anthony Clark, and Greg Fitzsimmons. And she goes, is Grapefruit Simmons the headliner? <laughs> so I got T-shirts made that say Grapefruit Simmons, and one of my fans did some artwork of what Grapefruit Simmons would look like. So uh, go to fitzdog.com, and you can check it out. Get my tour dates. I got stuff coming up in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, San Francisco, Rochester. All the dates are there. Um, enjoy that. And uh, Irvine Improv. And it's uh, at Greg Fitzshow on Twitter. Perfect. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Go to AllisonRosen.com for T-shirts, ringtones, all sorts of stuff. Uh, you can oh oh if you like what you're hearing subscribe itunes.com slash allison rosen rate review tell your friends and follow me on instagram at allison rosen thank you for being on the show listeners thank you for listening i love you goodbye hey do you know about the allison rosen show Rosie, here's your new band.